Support for this podcast comes from Outdoor Supply Hardware, inviting listeners to OSHA's big anniversary sale celebration, May 20th through the 26th, featuring daily deals, $15,000 in giveaways, 20% off store-wide on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot more. Learn more at OSH.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment, and if you love what you're hearing... And I know you love what you're hearing. Please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Nearly two million unemployment claims have yet to be paid by California since stay-at-home orders took effect. That's according to a new analysis by the Mercury News. And that's despite efforts to increase staff capacity at the state's Employment Development Department, which has processed more than seven million unemployment claims in the last four months. We talk with EDD's Lori Levy about the backlog and take your questions about filing claims and getting paid. Join us. This is Forum from KQBD. I'm Mina Kim. California's Employment Development Department has faced an avalanche of unemployment claims since the state's stay-at-home orders took effect, and the department has struggled to keep up. A report this week from the Mercury News finds a backlog of nearly 2 million yet-to-be-paid claims, including from people who filed back in March. Now, as the state and counties pull back on some reopening plans amid a rising number of coronavirus cases, more people could lose their jobs. We take your questions this hour about filing claims, extending your benefits, and what's being done to address payment delays. Starting us off is George Avalos. He is a reporter with the Bay Area News Group and the San Jose Mercury News. George Avalos, thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me this morning. Appreciate it. So can you just start by telling us how you came to that figure of nearly 2 million unemployment claims filed in the state over the first three months? Well, there are statistics that are hosted on a site at the Department of Labor, the U.S. Department of Labor, um, that include a variety of stats on, on the performance of the employment departments and unemployment departments in the various states around the country, including California. And one of the metrics that they track is, of course, initial unemployment claims. But they also track a metric that they call first-time payments. In other words, the the first payments that are made uh, to people who have filed unemployment claims. And so if you take the – it's not exactly apples and apples. It's kind of like a red apple and a golden delicious apple. Um, but it's very close uh, to, to try and compare these two. Um, and, and what you do is you can determine how well the state of California or any state in the country is doing in terms of keeping up with the first time, the, the initial unemployment claims that are filed. So what we found out was that there's been a gap that has occurred during the three months, the, the first three months of the shutdown, uh, of, of business shutdowns and, and uh, around California, uh, that has a gap between the number of initial unemployment claims and the first payments that are made to people who have filed unemployment claims. And, and how many of these people are from March? Day. Well, if you take the three months combined, uh, the, the first three months, and there's, there's no data yet, uh, no complete data yet for June at, at this point. Uh, there is a lag period. But if you take the first three months of the shutdowns, which is March, April, and May, you come out to a total 
of um, during during those three months, you, you come to a total of uh, of approximately five million initial unemployment claims uh, and approximately three point one two million uh, first time payments. And so there's a gap between those two figures of 1.88 million, almost almost 1.9 million, uh, just a shade under under 2 million. Um, so that's that's uh, how we uh, we calculated those those figures. We've talked to economists at the uh, Department of Labor, and they said that uh, there that is a uh, a correct way to at least get a rough gauge as to what the difference is between between the two. So where does that put California, George Oblos, in terms of our ability to respond to unemployment claims? I mean, are we among the worst states at doing it? Well, uh, California is it's sort of in the middle uh, of the pack. Wow. Uh, the last time we measured it, uh, it's, it's certainly not uh, the best. Uh, it's, 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 uh, I, I don't uh, have recent statistics on which states are, uh, are at the bottom in terms of their, of their lag behind. Um, but uh, California is sort of in the middle of the pack of the 50 states, and the uh, and I think they do track the District of Columbia as well. Uh, so there's there's just kind of right in the right in the middle there in terms of uh, the processing of uh, un- unemployment claims. And in um, terms of that that extent of a backlog, it just really does speak to the times that that we're in that the claims are are so. Hi, and the fact that we are sort of in the middle in terms of our ability to get people paid means there are a lot of people across this country who are not. Well, we have Lori Levy with us. She's Deputy Director of the Public Affairs Branch of California's Employment Development Department. Thanks so much for joining us, Lori Levy. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And in terms of George Abelos's numbers, do they square with you? Is that what you are experiencing there in terms of a backlog of about 2 million or maybe more since this doesn't include June? No, I'm afraid that is not the backlog. And, and, you know, it's pretty easy to look at this data and, and make comparisons that don't necessarily reflect this, the what's happening. Um, what we do put in our news release every week is what we do report to the U.S. Department of Labor, and that is the number of claims filed. And we have processed now 7.5 million of those, which is about double what we did in all of the worst, re- worst year of the Great Recession. And it also talks about more than $41 billion paid in unemployment benefits. Benefits. Now, there, the U.S. Department of Labor does have what they call a first payment promptness measure, and um, it is never 100% because there are always cases for every state in every situation, pandemic or not, in which it will always take longer to process a claim because of some more complexities associated with it. So we continue to have the vast majority of people who can go ahead and get their claim processed. We can automatically process it in many cases and get that first benefit payment issued in about three weeks. But then those that have like an identity verification issue, or perhaps we have to do a wage investigation, they've made some kind of mistakes on their um, application, those go to manual staff processing. And those are the ones that are always going to take a little longer. So it's not necessarily backlog. It's simply the work that is associated with getting those claims processed. And fortunately, it's a very small percentage compared to really the, the massive amounts of benefits we've paid. Last week alone, that was $3.7 billion. And that's about $3 billion more than the worst week of the Great Recession. So a huge amount of demand here. And is the job done yet? Absolutely not. We still have a lot of people that we need to go ahead and catch up with, and we're throwing everything we have at it to get that done. So how many people is that, do you think? You know, it's hard to say because there are so many different variables that affect someone's claim. Um, it could very well be that somebody applied in March before and they are self-employed individual. We had no way of taking that self-employment income and actually applying that to a claim until we were able to launch the pandemic unemployment assistance program at the end of April, well ahead of a lot of other states. So we were able to get that in place. So if you did file and you're an independent contractor and so forth before the end of April, and we're sitting there waiting for a claim to get processed, there was no way we had to process it. We've been getting out a lot of information about this on our website and press releases and on social media posts, but it's unfortunately a lot of information that's very, very difficult for people to receive. Well, George Avalos, I mean, in addition to calculating these figures, you have also been hearing anecdotally from people that they haven't been able to get their claims from as far back as March? 
Yeah, we've talked to hundreds of people. Now, I realize that hundreds or even thousands of people, uh, which I haven't talked to that many, but we have talked to hundreds of people. And I realize that even those numbers would be only only anecdotal compared to the millions of people who have filed initial unemployment claims uh, starting in, uh, you know, starting in March. Uh, but nevertheless, one thing that has come up very recently uh, within the last couple of weeks, um, uh, you know, first of all, there, there are all the stories, and, and this is true, that, you know, you go, you call the EDD and you just get, uh, you just get caught in an endless uh, voicemail loop and information loop that basically is just the same. It really doesn't direct you to any live people. So that doesn't really seem to have changed. Now, the EDD, of course, uh, says that they want to uh, – I think they're doing a mass hiring uh, with a target to get to 5,300 workers. But nevertheless, one thing that has cropped up uh, in the last week or so is that a growing number of people are complaining directly to their state lawmakers. And it seems that this is the only thing that actually is getting the EDD to respond in any kind of a timely manner, at least on, on these very individual and probably very isolated cases and certainly a tiny amount compared to the total number of claims that are filed and not fulfilled at this point. Um, for instance, one person said that he complained to his state lawmaker who, who represents a state assembly member who represents uh, the part of the Santa Cruz County area and uh, complained uh, in in, uh, in recent uh, recent weeks, uh, and then this past Sunday morning, okay, on a Sunday, got a call at 10 a.m. in the morning on a Sunday from an EDD representative who said that they were going to take care of his claim, and they were going to process it. So it seems that, and so this happened after only after he was waiting for months. He finally got a response after months, only after he complained to a state lawmaker. So that might be the thing that people need to do is find out who your local state assembly member or who, or who your local state senator is, uh, get on their radar screen, and depending on how active they are, uh, how motivated they are as a state representative, um, they would then contact the EDD liaison that they have, uh, and maybe that might get the EDD to, to start uh, uh, pushing the ball down the field in a meaningful manner, at least in those individual cases. Well, George Avalos, I know you need to leave us, and you've stayed a little bit longer even, so we really appreciate it. George Avalos, he's a reporter with the Bay Area News Group and the San Jose Mercury News, who recently did a news analysis of backlog claims at the state's Employment Development Department. Thanks, George. Thank you. So, Lori Levy, uh, George Alblos mentioned the phone issues as well as, and we can talk more about uh, the effectiveness of talking with your local lawmakers about your issues trying to get your unemployment claims uh, paid. Greg writes, after being furloughed from my job, I applied for benefits in mid-March. The EDD misentered my Social Security number and asked for me to send identity verification paperwork, which I promptly did. It's now been over three months, and I haven't heard anything back from them or received any benefits. Contacting the EDD has been impossible. Phone calls are always met with a pre-recorded message saying they're unable to take my call. I've also been unsuccessful reaching the EDD online, as I was never mailed a 10-digit access code needed to register on on their website. What should I do? You know, I, I'm very, very sorry to hear about those kind of difficulties for some folks in California because we are definitely working around the clock, continuing to evolve and develop processes on a daily basis. Um, I can tell you that it's very difficult until I look at any, any specific issues with any specific claims. But generally speaking, yes, it's very difficult to get through on the phone. Unfortunately, what happened is there was a perfect storm that hit us with this pandemic. It happened at a time of record low unemployment. So we had low funding and low staffing levels. So we've been trying to expand capacity very, very, very quickly. We now have federal funds, gratefully. And so we're in the process of hiring 5,300 new staff throughout the state in an expedited fashion. We already hired or uh, at least made some conditional job offers to more than 4,300 people as part of that effort. So we are expanding, but it's really kind of an overall strategy that we kind of need everyone's assistance on so we can get everybody served. And what I mean by that is as we expand our capacity, we have also gone ahead and created a lot of self-service help on our website, 
we change those top frequently asked questions every week based on what we hear in our call centers from customers. And we have a lot of other ways in which you can get some information. Most people, believe it or not, never do have to call a representative to get the assistance they need to get a claim filed or to get a benefit paid. So if people can use those self-serve tools as much as possible, combined with expanding our staffing like we are now, I think it's going to make a great, great difference that it already is in driving down that millions of call attempts that we get every day and opening up access to those phone lines and to a representative for those who actually have to do speak with a representative. And can people access that self-service well? Because it sounds like people are having trouble getting on the website. And I know that the EDD has tried to improve technology, but, but what's the status of that? The website is fully active. There's a lot of frequently asked questions. There's even some video tutorials in five different languages. We have a great guide. A lot of people are very confused about how to certify for their benefits on an ongoing basis. This whole thing hit a lot of people who have never filed for unemployment benefits before. And we have a brand new pandemic unemployment assistance program we had to set up. So no wonder people are confused. So there's a lot of great resources on that website available 24-7, no issues whatsoever. Now, we have a UI online system. That's our application. That's where you can go and you can file a claim. That's where you can certify for your benefits every two weeks. And that is available. Certainly, it's been overwhelmed at times. And um, we've been able, because we've added so much to it with all these new federal provisions of the Federal CARES Act. But there is, that is the best way for us because we've been able to uh, kind of adjust eligibility requirements in that UI online system. And that allows us to automatically process large volumes of claims. So yes, go to UI online. You can find out about that on our website and it is available. And sometimes the best time to reach it is in the early morning hours or in the evenings. And you mentioned that you are trying to hire thousands of people and that you've made offers to some 4,300. I mean, how many yes. people are actually added to the staff right now and working to answer the phones and process claims. Well, you know, we've, uh, it, we have to get people trained. And so at the beginning of this pandemic, we just, again, like I said, we were at low staffing levels because of the record low unemployment. So um, what we did is we did bring in some vendor support, call center trained individuals so we could quickly expand our capacity as quickly as possible and get people some assistance. But now we're actually replacing those with a lot of EDD hired individuals, putting them through training. We're building a whole new knowledge management system so they have more information at their fingertips to assist claimants. We're looking to expand our call center capability, putting it all in one virtual call center platform. It's one of the myriad of things that we can need to strategize on on a daily basis because we want to make sure everyone who needs the assistance gets it. And I can tell you, even for those individuals who've had some challenges over the last couple of months, we will get to that claim. And it will be something that if you're eligible for those weeks of benefits, we will get you paid. But you're saying that basically the reason that people are still experiencing so much delay or inability to get through on the phone is because a lot of these people that you've made offers to have not necessarily been hired yet or those that have been hired still need to go through a training process. Is that right? We've got several hundred who've already gone through training and are on the phone lines and in the program already, and that's uh, changing on a day on a weekly basis. We continue to get more and more through training, so it's an expedited effort that we launched in, in cooperation with the CalHR, um, California Human Relations. So it's really very helpful in doing it in an expedited fashion. Very hard to hire 5,300 people on in a matter of weeks, but we're we're plugging away at that. We continue to evolve weekly, getting those more and more people through training and on the phone lines and in the program all throughout the program because that's what it really takes to assist people. We're talking with Lori Levy, Deputy Director of the Public Affairs Branch at the California Employment Depart Development Department, and we're taking your questions. So give us a call, 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. You can also reach us on Twitter and Facebook at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Brittany writes, if I must quit my job due to childcare issues in this, in the case that schools don't open, will I qualify for unemployment? This is a school employee. Uh, she doesn't say. 
Oh, okay. It all kind of depends because for um, we've been told by the U.S. Department of Labor that we have to apply all the normal eligibility rules for the summer for any teacher, for example, when they're on spring break or summer break, as long as they have a job to return to in the fall, they're considered on break and then not eligible for unemployment. But we know these are strange and unique times. So obviously we want you, if, if you've lost your job or had your hours reduced through no fault of your own, please do apply and we'll collect the information we need to make that case by case determination on your eligibility. Well, Margaret sounds like is a school employee. Margaret asks, I'm a 10 month classified employee in a school district. I was laid off as of June 30th and now I'm waiting to see if I am rehired for the coming school year. If I am not rehired, am I eligible for unemployment? And it sounds like you're saying yes, or at least Margaret should try. Absolutely, Margaret. If if there's no assurances that you have a job to return to, I would encourage you to apply for benefits. We'll need to probably set up a determination interview with you, follow up with you to kind of collect some information and collect some information from the school district. But I would certainly encourage you to apply. Joan writes, I'm a misclassified contractor under AB5. How long will it take to process my claim, given that claims with disputes about employees' classifications are taking months? What are the steps EDD takes when it receives a misclassified employee claim? Um, in those cases, we launch what's called a wage investigation. So we have to make sure oftentimes when people um, file and, um, you know, if they don't, if we don't have any employer reported wages on file, then we send what's called a $0 award notice. And we have a really good frequently asked question about this on our website. It doesn't necessarily mean you've been disqualified. It could be for exactly what you're talking about. Someone's been misclassified. So we don't have any wages reported by an employer, but therefore go ahead and give us the information that you have about your wages and we'll investigate it with the employer so we can make your eligibility determination. But in some cases, a lot of people may just have pure self-employment income. And in that case, we can go ahead and process your claim as a pandemic unemployment assistance claim. So there are some options depending upon certain circumstances associated with each individual. In terms of the $600 unemployment benefit uh, that uh, Americans have received under the Federal CARES Act, that's supposed to expire on July 25th. Do you know if it will be extended? You know, it's a very good question. In fact, we're going to make sure that we're getting out a lot of good information about this in the coming week. Um, right now, it is set to sunset on July 25th. That's the last full week of the month. And that is according to the federal law as uh, Congress wrote it. So um, it is federal funds. And so we have to abide by those federal regulations. There certainly is discussion in Congress as to whether or not they want that to continue, maybe in some other lower um, form of funds, maybe something less than $600 per week. But for right now, it is set to sunset at the end of uh, a July, which for us is the last full week ending July 25th. So what options do people have if they really need to extend their benefits? Well, extending benefits is kind of a little different. So what the $600 does is we get we are told to go ahead and automatically add that to any week of benefits someone qualifies for. So even if you get a, a you qualify for a dollar in a regular unemployment insurance benefit amount or you get some funds uh, in a PUA um, benefit amount, we add the extra 600 for each week. But without that, we're just not going to be adding the $600. So you'll still have whatever benefit amount you qualify for. Now, in terms of extensions, there are extensions available, certainly through the Federal CARES Act. We have a new uh, pandemic emergency unemployment compensation, which is basically a 13-week extension of your regular unemployment claim. And if you run out of that, then there is a new FedEd extension in place and with some federal or some state legislation to maximize federal support. Mm. That is an extra 20 weeks of benefits. And we're automatically processing that for people who run out of their PUC extension. And uh, we're looking for those in our system. And we'll go ahead and get back to people on those details. We're talking with Lori Levy, Deputy Director of Public Affairs at the California Employment Development Department, and taking your questions again, 866-733-6786 is the number to call, and we'll get to those right after the break. And also, you can reach us on Twitter and Facebook at KQED Forum or email us, forum at kqed.org. I'm Mina Kim. Stay with us.
You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. California's Employment Development Department has faced an avalanche of unemployment claims since the stay-at-home orders took effect, and we're talking with EDD's Lori Levy about what it will take to get paid in a timely manner, questions about filing claims or extending benefits, and uh, what's being done at the EDD level to increase staff and improve technology. And we're taking your questions at 866-733-6786, also online on Twitter, Facebook, and via email, forum at KQED. Org. And let me go right to Michael in Nevada. Hi, Michael. Hello. Hi, go right ahead. Uh, my question, well, for, for starting off with a non-question, the phone system access is totally non-usable. It's almost a joke because you do get a nice lengthy uh, explanation of how the EDD is setting up expanded lines to help people. There's one number that's available from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. There's another one that's 24 Seven, and then at the end, the closing of the recording is, I'm sorry, we're too busy to help you now, and that's no matter what time I've called. Uh, the question I have is, as a teacher, my work stopped March 17th. I was unable to get through to the EDD system until mid-April due to inaccessibility via phone or online. Once that got cleared up, I did get a couple of unemployment payments made to the EDD credit card, which I get. Uh, as of May 26, I've received nothing. I have recertified. Uh, I'm guessing that because it's a teaching job or was a teaching job, the EDD has cut me off uh, because school is now over, supposedly. However, I'm looking for work in totally non related teaching, non-teaching related jobs. I'm continuing to be unemployed and continuing to looking for work. Uh, I'm unable to talk to a person to ask this question. Am I automatically shut down from receiving any further EDD payments because the last job I held was as a teacher? A, Michael, yeah. And B, uh, am I in fact eligible for unemployment as I continue to look for work in a non teaching field and see the form letter that districts give out typically saying, oh, yes, you're going to have a teaching job in the fall uh, are being sent out, which I presume means that, oh, I have a job waiting. The reality. Oh, Michael, did we lose you? there? Uh, oh, I think uh, you cut out for just a second, but let me see what Lori Levy can tell you about what you should do. Lori Levy. Well, thank you, Michael. And, I, and, and I, let me see if I tracked all that. Um, first of all, yes, we are required by federal law that federal law tells us that we are not allowed to pay uh, teachers, um, school workers in any break, whether it be a summer break or a spring break, as long as they have a job assurances of a job to return to. And so unemployment's all about what job you separated from. So it's, it's meant to provide some partial um, um, financial support and wage replacement for what job you separated separated from. So that's probably what might be holding up any payments for there may not be those eligible for you in the summertime, very unfortunately. Um, however, if something happens and that job certainly does not come to be for you in the fall, by all means, you can go and reopen your claim if there's or or you can go ahead and submit some request uh, information through your UI online account as well through contact us. So unfortunately, there's probably some bad news associated with the summertime break, but I wish you all the best. And hopefully um, there's a job there for you. If not, we'll definitely get you some unemployment benefits when if we can go ahead and determine your eligibility. Well, Michael, thanks for the question. Let me go next to JD in Oakland. Hi, JD. Thanks for taking the call. Um, so my uh, call is more of a helpful tip for the community rather than a question. And uh, my situation was that I was being asked to certify, um, but then the, the certifications would just hold that pending uh, for, I think it was like a month and a half. So that was pretty frustrating. I was trying to email, trying to call, and like the other gentleman, unable to get through to a real person. Um, but through a little bit of research, I found out that, and get your pens or pencils ready, if you call 833-978-2511, and then you press 1 and 2 right away, you'll have a way better chance of uh, getting a hold of somebody. 
and I was able to talk to somebody that day and clear up my issue. So it was really, really helpful, and hopefully this can also help some of our other people listening. Well, J.D., I'm so glad that, that you had a positive experience, and thanks for the tip that you were able to reach somebody after you tried that. Speaking of phones, Pablo writes, it's an outrage that the appeal line is only active Monday through Friday, 8 to noon. It is impossible to get through. I've repeatedly redialed for three weeks. They're not throwing everything they have at it. Uh, is, are there any plans to try to lengthen the amount of time that the appeal line is open? Well, um, just a couple things about the phones, and thank you very much, JD, too. Um, that is the actual um, phone line that we set up to operate eight to eight, um, seven days a week. So I'm glad you're able to get through to that phone line. That was a whole new virtual call center platform we established with this pandemic. Now the goal is to be able to take that new virtual platform and merge it with our existing call center platform and expand the service. That's all new technology and programming we're putting in place. So I'm glad you're able to get through on that line. In terms of an appeals line, there isn't an appeals line. Um, appeals are done by a separate department. However, we do have the initial line that's open 8 to 12, and these are our experienced claim filers. It takes about six months to get trained on the complexities of a very, very large rules um, law book that goes along with the unemployment insurance program. And uh, what we're doing is, like I said, continuing to look at ways in which we can span, expand that training. We're hiring. We're going through knowledge management. We're expanding our technology. So, yes, you will start getting better and better access to uh, call center operations as we move along. And again, as more and more people can go ahead and get the assistance they need through some other self-service means, hopefully that, again, all leads to better access to our phone service. Mm. And when could that merger take, or that merging of the lines take place, Lori Levy? We're working on everything uh, all at once. I mean, it's been one technology enhancement after another, especially with the brand new programs that um, the federal government wanted us to set up for every state. That's been a real challenge for every state, but it's continuing to happening. For, for example, another one we're doing is um, building a new process by which you can upload your identity documents when we need to validate your identity. So a lot of things are in the works. They're evolving every week. So um, really, we're out there to try to make sure we can get to the point we're serving everybody just as quickly as possible. And they certainly deserve that. And the only reason that I ask about time, Lori Levy, is just because what I think you're hearing probably in the frustration of some oh. of the people who write in um, is the fact that they understand that EDD has had this really unprecedented you know, flood of claims coming into the system, but it's been months now. There's this sense that why hasn't EDD adapted still yet, right, to the to the reality that they've been experiencing since March? Well, you know, and, and I know it probably seems like that to some people. Gratefully, we have paid more than $41 billion in unemployment benefits over just the last four months alone, and that's almost double what we paid in the whole worst year of the recession. I can't even imagine what this economy would be like, all the status of our communities without that money out there in the economy. So yes, gratefully that's out there, but no, our job is not done. And we continue to expand capacity as, as just as quickly as we can. Let me tell you, you know, we care very deeply. These are our neighbors, our communities. We continue to work around the clock, seven days a week. We had hundreds of people working on the 4th of July, all to go ahead and expand this capacity just as quickly as possible. I know it seems like it's not quick enough for some people, but we really are making headway. Hang in there with us. And is reaching out to your local representative the way to go? I mean, is EDD expediting claims that come in from lawmakers? You know, we always partner with our legislative members to help them with any constituent issues, whether we're in a pandemic or not. That That's just something we always do. But we're, we look at everything in a very big picture. We receive all kinds of inquiries and climate questions through a number of different channels, and it all goes into the same funnel for our unemployment insurance folks to work. So the, uh, we like to partner with our legislative members to help them with any questions they receive, and we have a whole process for that. That is not the only way you can get assistance by any means. In fact, that's a small percentage of the, the current claim load that we're working. We do have lots of other established channels. Our Ask EDD, for instance, is out there. If you need to go ahead and request your EDD customer account number or you need to backdate your claim, we've given you some additional options on that. And we continue to enhance all those tools on the website with some good tips as we go along to help people.
Well, let me go next to Juan in San Bruno. Hi, Juan. Hello. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Okay. So I um, I applied for EDD, uh, and I have right now I have contacted Senator Jerry Hill to see if he can help me with my case. Um, I have certified my hours. I have 26 weeks certified online. Every two weeks, they ask me to certify the hours, and I do. I have 26 weeks, all of them pending. I have emailed EDD, which I found out is another way to communicate with you guys, and they said they were going to respond to me in seven days, which they haven't. So far, I don't know if I did anything wrong or what's the problem. I don't know. I have 26 weeks pending right now. Juan, um, thank you. Lori Juan, Lee. I'm very, very sorry to hear that. Um, and unfortunately, I don't have access to your claim, so I can't give you any specific answers related to your claim. Um, I'm, did you get any notices from EDD through the mail? The only notice I got from EDD was on, um, it was, I got it right here on, uh, let me see what the date right here was. Uh, it was a notice stating me that I was going to receive more than they initially said that I was going to receive. So, and based on my income, because I'm self-employed. So oh, okay. I got a letter from them on June 5th saying that my my EDD benefits were going to increase weekly. That's it. I haven't received nothing else. Um, well, let me go ahead. And so it sounds like you might be a pandemic unemployment assistance claimant. And that that particular program did not start, uh, according to federal law, until February 2nd. So unfortunately, you won't be able to have like 26 weeks worth of benefits on that particular program at this time. Um, however, um, according to those notices and so forth, um, by all means, I'd be happy to, to go ahead and get your information. Um, I, and hopefully we can follow up. That sounds like a very odd situation that you wouldn't have received any more notices than just that one um but hang in there with us we are trying to get to everybody in need and then we so, will get through everyone so you mean Juan should leave his information with us that would be great well todd writes i made a mistake on my application but do not have a 10-digit number to access my account what do you do if you are not mailed a 10-digit number um, there are certainly options that we've built in there to assist people in that situation. First of all, check to see if you've received an email that says new online account created. And in that situation, that means you're already automatically registered. We're trying to do that for a vast majority of people so that they can um, go ahead and expedite getting to um, our UI online system and certifying every two weeks for their benefits. First of all, check for that. If that's not there, then go ahead and to our Ask EDD function. It's right there at, the, at our footer of our EDD website. And there's a drop-down menu where you can go ahead and request your EDD customer account number. And therefore, you don't have to wait to get through to talk to somebody on the phone, and which is, of course, another option. So hopefully one of those things will be able to work for you very quickly. Well, it sounds like this listener would like you to do more of what you just did for Juan. This listener tweets, Levy did not answer the question of the gentleman who's done everything on his end for three months and gone on the phone and website and has no benefits. Rather than we're hiring 4,300 people, she could say, let me have your name and number and I'll make sure to help. Scott writes, I just want to say that I've had absolutely no problem on the EDD website, opening a claim, certifying weeks, or even reopening a claim, which I had to do this week. I'm wondering if your guest has any notion why some people have issues and others don't. You know, there are what we call clean claims. That means that uh, we have wage information reported by your employer. There's no eligibility issues on your claim. You meet all the eligibility requirements. And fortunately, that is the vast majority of our individuals because we can automatically process them through our UI online system, which by the way, we did not have in the last recession. This has been a development since then and gratefully because it's been a massive workhorse for us. Um, and as we continue to modernize our systems, which is a whole project underway following site guidelines, um, we will, I'm glad to hear that some people are having that good experience online. That should be the majority of people's experience. And meanwhile, we're trying to make sure we expand that to all people in need of assistance. Well, John writes, my son is being denied unemployment benefits only because he failed to register for the federal selective service 15 years ago. If true that he would not be entitled to federal benefits, would not he still be entitled to state benefits? 
Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I'm not familiar with federal selective service, how that could impact your unemployment benefits. There are certainly benefits available for federal workers who are unable to work or having their hours reduced through no fault of their own. And if you uh, are wondering whether or not you should apply, absolutely. And we'll take in the information available from you to go ahead and make a determination on eligibility. Well, Ari in Berkeley is on the phone. Ari, join us. Hear me? Yes, I can now. Um, I'm calling because at the beginning of the pandemic, it was explicitly stated that you did not need to be looking for work in order to qualify for unemployment benefits. And I know multiple people who have been disqualified for benefits by following that guidance. The only reason that they were able to find out that they'd been disqualified was by following the gentleman who called and gave the tips advice. And they were told that California has entered a new phase of reopening and you do, in fact, need to be looking for work to qualify. But that's stated nowhere on their website. So I'm just wondering why that's the case, why there hasn't been more clear uh, guidance on whether or not people need to update how they're certifying for their benefits in order to continue receiving them. Ari, thanks. Lori Levy, is that true? Ari, thank you so much for your question. I think there's been so much confusion around the, the questions on that biweekly certification, particularly in this very unique situation we're in in this COVID um, pandemic. First of all, yes, there is a requirement for you to be available to work in order to qualify for benefits. And we see a lot of people confused on questions number one and two in particular. They ask, were you too sick to work? or were you not available for work and un 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 unable to accept work if it was offered? You need to be able to say, no, I am available. I am available to accept work if I was called back by my employer, if there were jobs available, if businesses were open. And so we've actually put that extra tip language into the certification application itself just to help people in understanding how you answer those kind of questions during this pandemic. But most of the time, yes, that is a requirement. You have to look for work and for right now and in terms of it's very questionable whether or not there's businesses are reopened and there's jobs available so answer truthfully with those first two questions in particular make sure you answer them for your situation we have people saying uh, well I'm not sick it's just all this COVID out there so I answered I'm not available no please make sure you're saying you're available because that is a requirement for benefits Ari does that answer your question uh, yeah, I guess the distinction is between being available for work and actively looking for work. Um, the gentleman who he reached on the line said that he was explicitly disqualified because he was not actively seeking work. He works for a union that won't reopen for probably the next six months. And that there may have been something else associated with that disqualification, if that's the case. And again, I cannot look at that specific case. But um, typically, if you're not looking for work, um, that won't necessarily affect your eligibility right now until things really start to reopen. However, you must be available for work. And that specifically needs to be the case with those questions one and two on your certification. Well, Ari, thanks for the call. And uh, let me go next to comment from Havila who writes the amount of unemployment that I receive without the federal assistance is completely insufficient to pay my bills I'm sure this is the case for most Californians how will the state deal with this insufficiency if the federal funding goes away we talked a little bit about this already but are there other programs on the horizon at the state level um, all I can tell you is about the unemployment program, and it is an insurance program, and, and for most of us, that means our employer has made contributions to that program on our behalf, and um, here in California, the maximum you can receive is $450 a week in unemployment benefits. And as you go along in your claim, if you go back to work and you're just not working your normal hours, you just have to tell us how much you're, you're earning. And then some of those earnings can be deducted from your unemployment benefit. But um, that is the maximum of $450 a week here in California. Well, Eileen in Santa Rosa join us. Hi, Eileen. Uh, hi, I, I have called before um, with Michael Cresty and David Chu. And David Chu promised me to help me, but then he said, oh, you're not part of my district. And I have um, contacted um, the district uh, in the North Bay, and um, 
it has been challenging, and I did uh, look for help to through the website of uh, Governor Gavin Newsom. No response. Kamala Harris, no response. It has been very frustrating. So I was, um, I am on a temporary layoff because I work with the uh, okay, I am on a temporary layoff, so I can be clear about that. And I have been laid off since uh, March 13, and it's just temporary. The bottom line is this has been four months. I did apply for unemployment benefits, but then now it's when they are saying that I don't have the necessary credits. So I just received yesterday a notice that immediate action is required for pandemic unemployment assistance and 10 forms to be completed. Uh, My question again is like the previous ones, was there any reason other than sickness, injury, or, or the disaster that you could not have accepted full-time work each work day, which way I need to answer that. Mm. Thank you, Eileen. Uh, Lori Levy, do you understand what Eileen is as asking? Um, so let me go ahead and see if I can address her first questions and maybe she can repeat her last question. Um, unemployment insurance, we have to look at 18 months of employment history and you have to have by law a certain level of monetary earnings for you to qualify for a benefit. And in some cases, after we do all that research work and so forth, if we can't get you qualified there, then we can see if we can get you qualified for a pandemic unemployment assistance claim. These are the additional hoops that the federal government wants us to go through now with their new programs that they've initiated. So that could be why you've been getting these some of these different forms because there are different steps we have to take. Now, in terms of it sounds like you're asking a question of how you answer something on your biweekly certification. Is that right? Right. For for the pandemic unemployment assistance, uh, number two and three, there, I I don't know how to answer that. Should I put a yes? Should I put a no? And I don't want to be rejected. And I have not received a single cent from anybody. So it sounds like you're answering questions on the the biweekly certification. Are you talking about the question that says, are you available to accept work? Uh, Well, it says, was there any reason other than sickness, injury, or the disaster that you could not have accepted full-time work each workday? Okay. So in other words, if you were offered a job, you'd take it, right? Well... I am on standby. I am on a temporary layoff. They are expecting me to go back to work. Right. So So, which way? Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, you're ready to go back to work. So, you know, you can just say there was no reason at all that I couldn't accept work. So, you, you know, you can go ahead and answer no. No, there's there's nothing here that would stop me from going back to work. So don't worry about that. That 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 should be just answer it truthfully for your situation. Eileen, thanks. It sounds like the answer to that, that you should answer that question there as no. Let me go to Wendy in San Rafael. Hi, Wendy. Oh, hi. Thank you so much for taking my call. Uh, I'm a mid-career professional, and this is the first time I've been laid off in my entire career. So I'm utilizing the system for the first time after paying in for my entire working career. And the benefit that was calculated for me is grossly inaccurate according to my salary and they the you know they look at the quarterly earnings estimate and they got that correct but then they gave me a very very small weekly benefit which i've had other people accountants and so forth check and ask and and say did i get this wrong and they said no this is grossly inaccurate according to your earnings and so now i can't get through to anyone and when i email i can't get an answer on how to get that corrected and I'm I'm very happy that I was able to get through electronically and get the benefits started, but they're not accurate. How do I fix that? 
So Wendy, thank you for your question. I think first of all, you know, it's very, very commonly as misunderstood that we workers don't actually pay for unemployment benefits. It's a contribution that employers make on behalf of each of their employees. Um, but I wasn't quite sure if you're talking about, did you have wages paid by an employer or self-employment income, first of all? Wages paid by an employer. Okay, so what we have, we have to look at what's reported to us by your employer and our records, and that's what we, we use to go ahead and base the amount of your benefit amount on. So if there is something that you don't agree with, when you receive that award notice, you can go ahead, first of all, you certainly you can call, and I know that's been very frustrating to get through, but you can also go ahead and correct that information on your award notice there and say, no, I believe this was my earnings, and send that back to us on to the address that's on that notice that you have because a lot of times people I don't know are what you're talking about because everything has been online there's no notice I've received and I and the calculation that you um, calculated on my behalf is correct but the amount that I'm receiving is wrong well, you should have received an award notice through the mail, as well as the updates that you're getting online. And if that's not the case, then what I would do is go through your Ask EDD, contact us. Um, have you tried that yet? Yes. And I and okay. I had the same problem a caller that previously called in said. They said you will receive a notice back in five to seven days. It's been weeks and weeks. No, no response. Yeah, that's, that's um, I know that we're overwhelmed and we're trying to get back to everybody just as quickly as we can, but that really, that surprises me that you hadn't received anything, anything at all through the mail, because we do follow up even when online, so you get some um, uh, verification of what we're doing. So um, I think if that's, if there's any particular issue, you can also try um, going through our Ask EDD and um, submitting a question there, but it could very well be that you go through that one, uh, the 833-978-2511 line, and those are, are some folks there who can probably get into your system, which I can't do at the moment, and uh, go ahead and try to make any adjustments that might be warranted there for you. Can we also take Wendy's contact information for you, Lori? Oh, sure. Well, I want to thank our listeners for calling in, and I want to thank you, Lori Levy, for for taking their questions, but understanding that this is not, you know, probably the best or ideal way for people to be able to get to someone on EDD. So please uh, keep working on that and, and please coming on, please keep coming on as well to try to answer and address some of these questions. No, and you know, we know this is a very, very difficult time. Unemployment is just one of those devastating points in anyone's life. And and we know, I just want people to know, we do care very, very much and are dedicated to persevering and making sure everyone gets help, uh, needs help, will get it. Lori Levy, Deputy Director of Public Affairs at the Employment Development Department of California. I'm Mina Kim, Tina Lauerberg, Blanca Torres, and Ariana Prail produced today's segments. This is Forum. Have a good weekend. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.